Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. And this is our 47th official episode. David Fisdale was just fired yesterday by the New York Knicks. And from what I can see on social media, the entire city of New York City is, is celebrating. However, like, I, I have some kind of conflicting beliefs. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, to be fair, I haven't watched as many Knicks games as I want to this year. I, like, just watch more just, like, what's on ESPN just because the Knicks have been so bad. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, for for context, also like we're both Knicks fans. We're both Knicks fans. We live in New York City. Like, grew up and still are Knicks fans. And so, like, the Sir team, the Sir squad, um, and like, just first of all, like, Knicks fans tend to get a stereotype, which is that we're impatient. It's not true. I want to say off the bat, like that might be true for some Knicks fans. Not all Knicks fans are like that. Not not all Knicks fans are just like we want a championship right now. Yeah, like, and like it, just like any other NBA franchise. We like, recognize, like, it takes time to win a championship. And, like, that narrative, it kind of just builds upon itself from a foundation that was never there. Because yeah. just, like, now when I talk to, like, casual fans or just, like, old like old heads that just, like, don't really know what's going on, they're like, oh, yeah, we were supposed to get all those all those guys and we didn't, right? I'm like, no, like, they were never going to come here. Like, like well, no. But there's also, like... like the the, the media just builds that up. Like, But I... I think, though, there was a sense, though, like, that is, it is oftentimes built up by our front office or by our ownership that we are going for those big free agents and that, like, we're going all out for those guys and that there's an expectation that we get them from the, from the, like, higher ups in our organization. As in, like, James Dolan a year ago was very, very much saying, like, we're going after Kyrie, we're going after KD, and we think we're going to get them. Like, that was a thing. But the but but if you're somebody who has been following this closely, you know, like we always say that, and it doesn't really yeah. ever work out. But I feel like a lot of that is just it comes from the media, and the reason it comes from the media is because they want to build it up because like it's New York, so people yeah. are going to read it and people are going to care about it, and just like yes, there's ex- there's an expectation from Knicks fans to be good, but that is also like. It derives from like externally, right? Because yeah. it's it's New York, and like people around the league are like, "Oh, it's New York. You should be good." Even think about like the Nets or just any team that has been in the cellar for the past like twenty years. Like like mm-hmm. prior to the past two years, the Nets have just been horrible. Like even with like the whole like trading for all the Celtics players, like that that ended in disaster. No one made fun of them. Like nothing to that degree. Like the only time they've had success in their entire history was like in the very 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 early 2000s and they they didn't win a championship and like that's pretty similar to the new york knicks if you just go back another 10 years with the 90s but we don't hear anything about the nets and we hear like everyone gives shit to the knicks so i i I think also like there's something to be said about the tradition of the yankees in new york city and in that the yankees it's a it's a the the yankees and it's a little bit of a stretch but also like the yankees have won 27 world series and so when you have that kind of sports history going for you as a city, there's a little bit of an expectation. And, and then the Yankees, by the way, there's no salary cap in the MLB. Yeah. So it's you just spend your way to signing. Like this season, we're going to go after Garrett Cole, right? Like like this guy was just in this World Series pitching for the Houston Astros. And so we're like, huh, we need better pitching. Guess we'll go sign him. Yeah, whereas the Knicks can't go yeah. do that, right? But, so but the, the benefit of that. being in a major market is more beneficial in baseball than basketball. In a way, but that's not really what I mean, which is just that, like, what I mean is that 
the Yankees are so good and that Yankees fans are so used to be the, the, the Yankees being good, that, that might sort of carry over to the Knicks, which is like, well, our baseball team is so good, so why isn't our basketball team? That might be a subconscious thing and that might be a stretch, but like, I think that what I'm really trying to say is there's just like a rich sports history in New York City. And especially yeah. also like, if you look around the league, a lot of the best players in the league have some kind of roots or connections to your New York City. The same thing can Less be said about, now, like, but... Chicago, California, like, all kinds of other different cities. But, like, that's true about New York, right? You think about, like, some of the best point guards, a lot of them. Like, more back Yorkers. in the day, but, yeah, like, in the league right now, you have, like, Andre Drummond, Tobias Harris is, like, a little bit outside, Kemba Walker, Carmelo Anthony, a few others. Mm -hmm. So, but, yeah, but I guess the whole point of this, this little, like, tangent is that Knicks fans... We don't care if we suck right now, or at least me. I can't speak for everybody, but the idea that we're like we want to be in the in the NBA Finals every single season, and if we're not, it's a disappointment. Maybe true for management, maybe true for the front office, maybe true for the coaching staff, maybe maybe true for some other Knicks fans. But I think I speak for the two of us when I say that if we have to suck for the next ten years to rebuild our team just to be competitive again, so be it. We don't demand that we have be, that we be in the NBA Finals right now. I am just tired of us giving away whatever. It's like just when we seem to have this glimmer of hope, like Kristaps Porzingis, the only great draft pick we've had in the last 10 years, then we're like, as soon as he's like, hey, I want out of New York, because of course we messed that up. Yeah. Immediately we just trade him for the first trade offer that comes through, right? Like literally five minutes later, it's like, Kristaps Porzingis requested a trade. I'm sitting on the couch like, oh no, here, here we go again. <laughs> oh, no. And then and all of a sudden he's off, he's off for Dennis Smith Jr., who is now our third string point guard this year, shooting like less than 30% from the field. So, I don't, what I'm trying to say is like, if we had kept Chris Porzingis, and it took us, you know, five, seven years to, to where Chris Porzingis got into his prime and we had a core around him. I don't care. That would be fantastic for me. At least we have a player that we can root for and that we are watching that be like homegrown by the Knicks. Yeah. Us it's, giving that away and doing nothing with it is just heartbreaking. It's You have like more attachment to that player too. Exactly. Right? It's like homegrown. So like, I don't need to go out and sign Kevin Durant. I don't need to go out and sign Giannis in 2021. I don't, it's not that let's give away whatever we had for draft picks and like money and then like hope that eventually someone will sign. That's not working for us. We need to build something up from the ground. We need to get so, a foundation going and then I think that we can so get free to start. So tying that into David Fisdale, do you think that it's bad for Knicks to fire to fire a coach so quickly if you want to like build a stable environment? So yeah, so that's exactly where I think that I was going with that, which is that like we've had a lot of coaching changes the last like six years decade and a half yeah. right like just i just add them to the list like it's like it it's a little bit hard for for the knicks to build up a stable culture and for them for them to grow this core assuming that's what they want to do which of course we have no idea because they're the knicks but that's what i would like i would like okay we have rg barrett we just got you know the third overall pick last year were on pace to like have some of the best odds in next year's lottery like yeah. go out and get like lamello ball i don't even know if like people are like hyping that up i don't even know okay. like okay like okay but 
in theory, we're going to end up with a few good draft picks the next few years. Yeah, because we're going to suck. I would say just keep those guys, and under David Fisdale, let them grow together and learn to play together under one system. When you're constantly cycling coaches in and out, I think it creates a, like a precedent or an idea that like, like why am I why, why am I playing hard for this guy who's going to leave in a year? That's part of it. But also, it's like if the coaches are like rotating door, doesn't it feel like the roster is like yeah like there's no do, unit. why does R.J. Barrett feel like safe in New York That's after fair. the coach that he's been playing for for the first two months of his career immediately gets fired? By that matter, bad. how does he feel bad? How does he feel good? It's like I want to become a really good player for New York, and it's like. Look what happened to Porzingis, and look at what happened when Melo just got like booed out of New York, mm-hmm. New York City as a whole. I think when you think about like, let's say Dirk Nowitzki, for example, played his t- entire okay, different, ins- played his t- entire career, like, career in Dallas. But part of that is like, he built the relationship with Mark Cuban, with Rick Carlisle. Like he built a relationship with that with that team, right? The players even like weren't all there throughout his entire career. But I think when you have a foundation that starts from the the number one guy in the organization, in our case, the owner, James Dolan, that works its way down, right? And it creates an atmosphere in which the players are more comfortable to play in, right? So obviously Dirk is an extreme example. Yeah, but like even when you look like back to the Phil Jackson days, they all kind of thought he was a weirdo. Like, exactly. And so like he kind of forced Phil Jackson, or he kind of forced Chris S. Porzingis out, and the like, Knicks were never really able to fo- repair that relationship like, how, even how after can you we got rid of How facilitate some trust there? If... If you think that like the president is a weirdo and the owner is just like a bad owner, yeah. Um, but getting getting back to like the actual Fizdale firing, uh-huh. to me when when I saw it on face value, I was like, man, they they like, they are so quick to cut people off. Because keep in mind, they're paying David Fizdale for this season, for next season, and I think the season after that <laughs> to not coach for the New York Knicks. <laughs> he's like he's the new Joakim Noah. Like, it doesn't contribute to their actual salary cap, but still, like, that's embarrassing, right? Yeah. Um. So, like, but, like, that was my initial reaction. It's like, man, they, like, cut this guy off so early. And also, like, what you were saying, it's like, I'm okay if we're not good, right? Like, that, like that's not the coach, coach, like, sure, it's the coach's fault. But, like, 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 give him time. The players trust him. He's, a, he's one of the best players coaches in the league. However, like, when I, when I'm, like, like I sat down and I thought about it, like okay wh- why specifically did they do this now and it's coming off of back to back 40 point losses versus the Bucks and Nuggets and in, and, in like, this very moment like I kind of get it and like it like yeah. in in the market of New York you don't even have to be good to make money but like we're going to the next game today we are the Knicks suck it doesn't change anything they're going right? to get killed like, by the Pacers it- is what it is. It's going to be fun, though. But it's going to be fun, right? <laughs> and, and, yeah, so I think that that's very important is, like, when you're in New York, you're still going to sell tickets. Yeah. It's at, it's at MSG. It's part of the culture. Like, no, you can you can sell – this is a quote from, like, the president of the Bucks. It's, like, you could sell, like, bowling in New York. You could sell <laughs> you could sell trampolining in New York. People just, do it. No, just, I just any, anything – people will buy it. There are so many people. Exactly. Like, when you have – Eight million people in the city, like you can fill a stadium. Yeah, but, but e- even with that, it's like you can fill a stadium if you're a bad team. Can mm-hmm. you fill a stadium if if a person walks in the in the building knowing their team is going to lose by forty points? That that's that's a distinction. I I see what you're saying. I think 
even if I knew the, the Knicks were going to lose by 40 points today to the Pacers, I would still go because I love the NBA. But also, like, I'm I'm going and I'm tuning into Knicks games because we have this hope that is R.J. Barrett on our roster. But first and foremost, but most casuals don't care about that, and the NBA doesn't make money from us because we're gonna the Knicks could pull out a JV roster and we would still watch the game. Yeah, but but I think that as long as you have a player, even if you're losing, that the fans can get excited about, or a culture, or a you know like a system or something that is exciting to watch, or at least is exciting in the in the in the way that you're excited about what it could become down the line. I think that can get the Knicks viewership money, like. But if you're constantly changing, right? If you trade Chris S. Porzingis, I bet our viewership plummeted because people were tuning in every night. Because even though we sucked, we had Chris S. Porzingis. Like, Chris S. Porzingis was street, worth watching. People on the street knew who Porzingis was, even if they didn't follow the Knicks, even yeah. if they didn't follow the NBA. He's part of New York, right? Like that's that's part of his identity. Like he was the face of our franchise. And so when you trade him, I think your viewership plummets, right? So I hope that this time, as RJ Barrett builds up and as they're sort of marketing, like if you follow the New York Knicks on Instagram, it's like every post is about RJ Barrett. Yeah. He's going to eventually become the face of our franchise. People are going to, he's going to be a household name in New York City. And so I hope that we don't trade him yeah. and get rid of him that, that, at the first, at the first sight of problem. That's a good point. Just about, to like make money. That's like, a good point about the revolving, money for the the revolving door kind of just devolving your identity into mm-hmm. something that's unrecognizable because there's there's a few years like like four years ago or something like four or five years ago where i just like i'm i consider myself a, like a casual baseball baseball fan a casual yankee fan and i couldn't name three players on the yankees just yeah. like it, it was like one like we weren't that good but two it was just like all the guys i knew were gone and mm-hmm. like they're bringing up these new guys and so like i, I feel like that's that's what the knicks are right now like I knew, I don't even know if Aaron Judge but, was a thing back then. But, like, but the difference is that now the Yankees have built up the names of Aaron Judge and Carlos Santana. They, they've like they've created this thing with with their money. They have brought in big names. They've created a foundation of. They brought up Aaron Judge from the minor leagues, right? Like he was a homegrown guy. Same thing with um, Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez, exactly. So so they created a foundation based off of homegrown guys, off of talent that they drafted that they brought up through their system. And then they brought in like the sort of capstones to like like that were like John Carlos Stanton and guys from other franchises. This year are probably going to be like Garrett Cole to come top it off to create a World Series competing team, right? But it has to start from the ground up. Where free agents aren't going to want to go. You're not going to go sign Bryce Harper if you don't have Aaron Judge, right? You're Espe- not going to sign. In this case, like, you're going to sign Giannis if you don't have the like RJ Barrett's excelling. Like, like, look in their at the Nets. Role. Like look, look at the Nets. Exactly last year. The reason you mm-hmm. sh- it just perfect you, example. You could like make this up in an experiment and it would play out this way, but it just played out this way in real life. You have the Knicks and you have the Nets. One does all the right things, homegrown, <laughs> finds Spencer Dinwiddie, Gary Harris, Karis Levert. And think about that. Think about pick. what a worse situation they were in five yes, years ago. Exactly. For example, right exactly. after all the picks they traded to the Celtics, they have done a much better, much better job rebuilding, even from starting from there, than the Knicks have since. And then. did the right things with like trading for D'Angelo Russell too. And so mm-hmm. you you have all these guys who are just like doing the right thing, and then on a different borough, right across the bridge, you have like 
revolving door, Jeff Hornacek, Derek Fisher, just all these different coaches. It's chaos. It's chaos. You like and you look and you're KD and you're Kyrie and you're like, okay, well, I know why it, would you I know what they the have Knicks? there. They yeah, exactly. I know what they have there. They have a good culture. They have a good coach. They have a good coach who's been there for like four years. Mm-hmm. Kenny Atkinson, yeah. shout out to him. Yeah. You have that. You just have stability. You have everyone there who is a professional and who has been there and who's been even if it's not for a while, they act like a professional. Like like right like Joe Harris was there for two years, but he's like he would just like was such like a professional and did his role. Whereas like across the pond, it's like I don't want to touch that, and that's why you have two superstars in Brooklyn and none in Manhattan. Exactly. None, um, none yet. <laughs> I think. Like what you're saying makes perfect sense. Had we kept the players like Grzesport is, had we kept what we were going with, had we shown that our that our organization was more trustworthy and stable, all of a sudden the Knicks become a much more viable option for players like Kevin Durant and Kyrie to come sign. Okay. So that's how you take full advantage of the fact that we're in New York and that our viewership is naturally going to be so high. Yeah. But talking about Fisdale, do you think he's a bad coach? No. I don't think it's fair to put all of the blame on Fisdale. If the Knicks ownership, the Knicks front office, whoever it was that decided to fire Fisdale, thought that this team was going to be significantly better than four and eighteen, I mean, like they're a little bit the delusional. Season, like, if you ask like the average fan, like they would probably say if we played twenty-two games, probably was like, oh, we'll if you win, thought like, the Knicks were going to, if you thought the Knicks were going to make the playoffs, you're delusional. No, like, it will win. We'll win eight of the twenty-two games. We'll be like eight and fourteen. That was normal. Okay, eight and fourteen is respectable, but that would still put us <laughs> at what the 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 third like the, the like eleventh seed, twelfth seed, like. If you were expecting us to be a top 10 seed in the Eastern Conference... But th- there is a difference between, like, the 11th seed and the complete bottom feeder who is less than, like, 200. I think I, that makes sense. But but also, like... It makes sense now, 22 games into the season, why we suck so much. I was expecting this. You were. I was not. I think. I... Because I don't think we made like any lists on that, but I would have probably guessed the Knicks were going to have, we're, we're probably going to be, the one of the four worst teams in the league this year, because I was not okay. It's just like even if you look at our, our our depth chart, like even though we have some exciting talent, it doesn't fit together at all. It doesn't. The fact that we went out inside Julius Randle, Taj Gibson, and Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis are three biggest signings. That's three power forwards <laughs> in in a position where like the power forward is the least useful position, and they're all if like you really they're all thought, like heavy like, set rebounding back to the basket. They're, power they're the forwards. same player at different stages of their career, dude. That's so true. Not not really. They play uh, different Julius game styles, yeah. but like in terms of body type, yes. kind of. Um, <sighs> it's just that's like great. I don't know. Like I I think the front office has set this team up terribly for success if you thought this roster was really going to go out and start winning you games like that's that's just not how you should work how it should work and so if you've been if the if the Knicks front office is watching the Knicks games right now and saying these are games we should be winning it's it's uh David Fisdale's fault that we're losing this game when you get like obviously we're going to lose to the Bucks by are you sure it's not your fault by 20 right exactly it's like it's like why didn't you but the, the thing is like I think the question for me, if I was a GM, is like, okay, we know what David Fisdale is, and we know what our roster is. 
what what is what does David Fizzell bring to the table? He brings kind of just this, this like more of like a like a character and kind of like a I think it's like ethos to it to where like mm-hmm. the players will buy in. And I heard that like right before like the last either the last game or after last game. I think it was after the last game, the day of Fizdale being fired, that morning the players had a had a players only meeting trying to like pump each other up because they knew David Fizdale's job was on the line. And they trying to save Fizdale, you mean? Yeah, they didn't like go to the office and be like save this man because like that would be stupid because they're 4 and 18. But yeah. like they they had a players only meeting and they were basically like guys, let's let's and they were they were motivating each other. They were like, "Come on, his job is on the line." So I think well, so well, that's going to be the super fort- demotivating if that's even a word for the ma- the next players now. Yeah, but fired. yeah, but like it, I don't think that the management can make a decision based off of that. Okay, that's fair. I but also like I would say that a lot of our players are still in fragile states of their career where they need as much support and as much help as they can get. For example, Dennis Smith Jr. Yes, he recently lost a member of his family, and. I think that he is very much in his own head right now, right? Like, he is not playing as well as he should, and I think it's mostly because of his own confidence and his own, like, I don't think it's a physical thing because he has the physical ability to play much better than he is playing right now, and we've seen him do so in the past. I think it's more, it's all mental. Um, And so I think the Knicks should be doing whatever they can in that that case to be supporting Dennis Smith Jr.'s mental health, not even necessarily as in, like, he's, like, having like depression or something like that but but that that like you want to you want to support him as much as possible to make him feel at home and make him feel comfortable and do whatever you can to fix the like mental confidence part of his game so that he's back to what he used to be and you replace a, a coach who's one of the most personable coaches in the league mm-hmm. who's up there and like a lot of players who are anti-analytics or whatever you, you see like all all the time they're like man like numbers don't know the game you you have David Fisdale in Memphis being like take that for data, yeah. Where I, and I, and also, that. I I think that you could have, if the problem is the X's and O's, not the locker room, which let's assume it is for now. Can't you keep David Fisdale as the head coach while bringing in different assistant coaches yes, that exactly. are better with the X's and O's? Yeah, and I'll, I'll, can't you bring up a college coach, for example, that might not have that same locker room thing going on, but is like an absolute genius when it comes to like running an offense yeah and if you put that guy next to a guy who's an absolute genius at running a defense with no locker room skills but then you also have the head coach that's a locker room skill then you have one guy who's got the offense one guy who's got the locker room one guy who's got the defense all working together as colleagues that creates one like transformer super coach right and like you I the like coaching lot, i feel like that's easier said than done though, that's that's you know? very that's a very ideal scenario obviously but i also think that there's some truth to like the coaching the coach the coaches work as a staff not just as one guy so they might be looking at it as like far too one-dimensional to just say it's all david fizdale's fault it's probably and even if you're so i think part of it is it's the players part of it is the front office in gathering that specific group of players together and expecting wins from them and and then even if you are going to put all the blame on the coaching all of that blame can't go directly to fizdale it has to go to the coaching staff and while Fizdale is the head of the coaching staff, it might not be fair to just point the finger at him instead of the the group collectively. Yeah, it. I mean, I I think part of it has to be personnel, right? Because like, I feel like while X's and O's yield 
like I guess like better defense and kind of better offense as well. Like you still have the Knicks as like like by far and away the worst the, the worst offense in the league in terms of points per game and points per 100 possessions. Like like you have like the bottom I don't know, the, the bottom like 27th, 28th and 29th in the league are all within like like 0.5 of point five of each other in terms of points per 100 possessions. And then the Knicks are a full like like one and a half points like below the worst team in the league. So it's just like the bottom of the cellar. Yeah. Which is tough. And if you like even their defense, which like I would think that a coach like Fisdale, his defense would be more impactful than his offense, just because you get players to play harder and that's more what defense is. Um I they're still like seventeenth in points allowed per per game. So like that's that's actively not good either. But I think if we had the 17th best offense, the 17th best defense, New York Knicks fans would be happy. So maybe it's just they, he doesn't have the X's and O's or he just doesn't have the roster and we're having Bobby Portis play the small forward. And Julius Randle is just regressing. Who knows? I mean, yeah. I I think that... I, I agree. I just think that, like... I don't think that this team is a team that's supposed to win games. And so saying this team isn't isn't enough games and it's David Fisdale's fault, I don't think is fair. I think that this this the the James James Dole and the ownership should be looking at the front office first and for, first and foremost at our general managers and saying, well, why is Frank Nilakina our starting point guard and why is like Taj Gibson like sometimes our starting center? Like that just doesn't seem right. It should. Chris Asporzinga should still be on this roster. <laughs> That's so Dennis easy for you to say. Dennis, but, like, we messed that up so badly. That's not David... Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's not, that is not David yeah. Fizdale's fault. That was before David Fizdale got there, and it was Phil Jackson's fault. And while they did fire Phil Jackson, they still weren't able to remedy the situation, which, by the way, like, they should have been able to. Trey Burke came out with a statement about it. I forget what he, exactly he was saying, but it was that, like, Christos Porzingis said that he wanted out. He went into a meeting with the front office, and they like decided in an instant they were going to trade him. They didn't even like try to fix it. They just like were like, okay, we'll trade you. Like, <laughs> That's so. <much> what? <laughs> like that he is literally like he's the best player we have seen in the last you know like since like since Melo in in New York right since like Melo in his prime, and, and he might be the next the best player we see until R.J. Barrett hits his prime or like far after that. Um, far after that, yeah. I don't know. I just think there's a lot of problems with the Knicks that go far deeper than just the coaching staff. But I don't know. We're and last in. We're 29th in assists per game. Like, but but also like that. That this is that's not a roster. This is coach. not a roster built for the modern day M- NBA, and it's also not a roster that's built for wins. It's just like the island of misfit toys from that Christmas movie, where it's like we've got a player here oh, and a player yeah. there, but like 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 Julius Randle. Yeah. I was a fan of that signing. R.J. Barrett, I was a fan of that pick. Frank Nielakina, can't say I'm that hot, that I'm that high on him right now, <laughs> but while we might have players here and there that that have some like virtues, have some talent, expecting this group of guys to go out and win you like forty percent of your games just isn't isn't it's just not fair expectations. Okay, in my opinion, and so. If they're expecting the, our new interim coach or whoever they hire, 
if the Knicks are expecting a complete 180, if they're expecting us to all of a sudden start winning half our games, that's not going to happen. And so if they're firing David Fisdale because of problems outside of like, if they're, if they're firing David Fisdale because like they're not quite good enough, but it's just that they're not a fan, that he wasn't as good as they expected as a coach, that it, it was last season, it was this season, it was like this and that, things that we don't even know about. Okay, that's one thing. You know, I don't know. If they're, if they're just saying we should be near the playoffs and we're 4-18, and 18, this, is, this is Fisdale's fault. And so we're going to fire Fisdale and we're going to be back into playoff contention. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's even worse than we thought. It's even worse than we thought. <laughs> and just, like, this revolving door, I feel like it's never going to stop. And I would think that in, if you want to build something up from the from the ground up, Fisdale is a type of coach to do it because he brings that ethos. He brings that character that that's, like, really building from the ground up is about buying in, right? And it's like you're going to buy in with a coach that you like. And I understand your coach can't be your friend, but I, I think... It does, but but it think about like it doesn't Greg well Popovich. If you've seen any videos or any read anything about Greg Popovich, he, he, he loves the, his players like they're his sons. Like, okay, but it, you can't just say two people like their players they're as good coaches as each other. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that David Fizdale is good of a coach as Greg Popovich, of course. But I think that well, you said you can't you can't um, be friends with your coach. I think that you should be. And I think that you David can't did. be you can't be too good friends with your coach because that leads to a lack of I guess the word is authority, but I guess just. Co- but you can have mutual respect. But right? that, I feel like that undermines like where... compliance sometimes. Part of it might be that, as in like the way that Jim Boylan is demanding respect, that's bad. is not nearly as yes. effective as building a relationship where you have this mutual respect with your players, where you consider your players as more like colleagues that you're trying to get better with instead of you're trying to make better, right? You're not above the players because you're their coach. You're working with the team, right? Like as much as you might think like it is your responsibility to make the team better, the team is only as good as they play, right? Like you're not going to, like you have to, your job is to elevate their that team, but you're not going out and playing, and so you don't have that kind of authority. Your job is to give them is to be the advisor for the team to run the team in a way that will lead them to the most wins, I guess. Um, All right, we'll see tonight. Coach Mike Miller, no idea what his deal is. He's the interim head coach for the Knicks. We'll be there live. We'll be there live, and we'll we'll see how we'll see Let how they know play. How it goes. We'll we'll update you guys on how bad they lose. Yeah. So all right, talking about Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony was just extended for the entire season, and we talked about him once he got signed by the Blazers. Mm-hmm. However, we haven't really talked about that, and I know like the, the whole NBA knows that like, he's been playing well. He won Western Conference Player of the Week. We'll talk about <laughs> we'll talk about that, and he just got his contract extended. It was partially guaranteed, I think. Until January or... The, Fully guaranteed for the rest of the year now. Yeah, I know. Before that, it was partially guaranteed. They had until January to fully guarantee mm-hmm. it, and they did. So that's basically saying... That's basically the Blazers saying, we want you, Carmelo Anthony. We need you. Put a stamp Put a stamp on it. Sign the line. Yep. And so I guess we can first talk about how Carmelo Anthony has been playing. The obvious answer is good. 
but better than we expected. Better than we expected. But going a bit deeper into it, he has been shooting remarkably well from three. I think that's the first thing to note. Yeah. Going into it, and I'll, how much is he shooting a game? How many attempts? Uh, thirty-eight percent from three on three point eight attempts. That's that's legit. That's that's four attempts a game for a starter, which is pretty pretty decent. And I think that going into that, if you told me Carmelo Anthony was going to make thirty-eight percent on four attempts a game, I would have been like, "Wow, the Blazers really need this. Good job, mm-hmm. right?" I mean, and yeah. the only the only caveat with this is, I. As a partial Blazers fan, I I really wish that he didn't have to start. Not because I don't like Carmelo Anthony, and not because I want to cause him sadness, but it just it's like yeah, he can't defend, and yeah, he just isn't as good as other small forwards. So I'm like, why? why? Like like he had to guard like LeBron last night. Like like that's not okay. Yeah. That's yeah. not okay for a team that wants to make the playoffs, and. Now you add in Rodney Hood, who just tore his Achilles rest up. I, I hope he gets better. Right. But now, like, I, I like right now, it, like in in a few days, Portland Trail Blazers are gonna have open tryouts for a wing position. You're invited. I'm invited. <laughs> or you you no, are invited. No, Mario Hazonia. Mario Hazonia about to get his minutes back. <laughs> like I said, I'm invited. <laughs> you're invited. You are invited. Open tryouts, Trailblazers. If you're above the height of like five two, you're invited, <laughs> and you, you'll have a good chance of making it because like they have Mario Hazonia, who's gonna be there, getting like big time minutes off the bench for the wing position. Who we and who. They might just start like they might start mellow at the four, and then just have. He's been playing the four so far. Yeah, not the three. But they might. I'm I'm trying to think because Rodney Hood would fill in that small forward position, but they but Rodney Hood's like six seven, so they would like switch off kind of like they would be interchangeable mm-hmm. in terms of defense. So I'm trying to think that who is going to be that guy. When Melo's not on the court because they don't have Zach Collins either. It's going to be Mario Hazonia. Mario Hazonia is like six eight. And like and I'm got a, some reach I, to him. I, I like Mario Hazonia. I liked him when he was on the Knicks. Don't forget, he blocked stepped, LeBron to win a game. He stepped over Giannis. Defensive monster. <laughs> Don't forget, Mario Hazonia's got some of the best highlights in the league. Dude, he really does, though. And they were like, <laughs> like they were, two of them. They were within like a very close proximity, too. And they're both at MSG, which is awesome. Shout um, out to Mario Hazonia. But yeah, so I guess but, this is just a mellow slash Blazers episode. But it's like... I'm so uncomfortable with this team. <laughs> it, it makes you so uncomfortable. Uh, it's it's worth pointing out that Carmelo Anthony is already averaging 31.3 minutes per game. Um, That's a lot. For, for the Trailblazers. <laughs> that was before Rodney Hood went out with season-ending injury. Melo might... The most minutes he's ever played in his career is 38.7. He really might be approaching that by the end. <laughs> no, you won't. No, you won't. For some games this season, no, he really <laughs> might be approaching 39 minutes per game. I, I'm not like I'm not even kidding. Like this man did not have a job a month ago. <laughs> this man was jobless a month ago, and now he's just he's playing like 39. He, he's gonna be playing like 35 minutes a game for a playoff contender. It's crazy. He's not going to finish the season averaging 39 minutes per game. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying like like there are legitimately going to be games where he where he where he plays 39 minutes, where he plays almost the entire game. That's for so, that's for 35-year-old so Carmelo Anthony. But like like real 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 props to Carmelo Anthony for the way that 
we talked a lot about when he first signed, like, would he be able to get over his own ego and sort of accept whatever role the Trailblazers needed him to play? You were on the, you were leaning yes. I was leaning no. I think um, he has. He has. Like that. That's why this has worked out so well. Um, is that they needed him to be a spot up shooter first of first and foremost, right? Thirty eight percent on four three pointers per game. Like that's kind of what they needed most of all. He's also been their like third scoring option, and in some sometimes their second over C J McCollum. C J McCollum's had a little bit of a rough season. And he's actually picked up a lot of the slack for the Trailblazers team and is actually contributing to their wins. He has. Right? They've been much better with him on the court. Um, and like, at least just like, by the eye test. I'm like, not, like, I'm, not looking I'm at advanced sure stats. The, what, the, the Blazers went on like a four or five game winning streak like after picking him up. And no, that wasn't all Carmelo Anthony. But mm. like, it wasn't not Carmelo Anthony. So I, yeah. I think that like, that is definitely a contributing factor. But okay, like one rant tangent yes, thing go for it dude carmelo anthony winning western conference player of the week is one of the worst travesties the nba has had in the last 10 years in terms of accolades that's disgusting he man, man averaged like 23 points per game and like like six rebounds and like three assists and and it's like oh yeah but he helped he helped his team get to three now first of all not the best player on his team damian lillard played better had better stats overall better player on the same team he, he, Western Conference player, he wasn't like Portland Trailblazers player of the week. Second of all, James Harden averaged 40, 47 points per game in that week and went 2-0. That's mm. that's disgusting. Luka had much better numbers. LeBron had much better numbers. I can go into like not even like all-stars, but like all-star caliber players, and they probably had better weeks than him. It was like oh, it was like a pity word. Like I feel like I, that that like undermines what Melo wants to do because Melo, Melo doesn't Melo wants respect. He doesn't want pity, right? Because like yep. he's saying this isn't a farewell tour. Like like his farewell tour, I feel like that almost like implies kind of some sort of pity or it's like yeah, yeah, like like you're here, like like good job, good job. This is enough. Like Kobe's sixty in his last game that was on like you know seven hundred shots, right? Like that was <laughs> that was a farewell tour game, um, but. I agree with you, just mostly because, first of all, the NBA Player of the Week award does not really matter that much. I I don't care. <laughs> I I agree with you. This is a this is a little bit annoying, though, because the precedent for the Player of the Week award is that it's not about narrative, right? If it was about yeah. narrative, you would have like Markel Fultz winning Player of the Week because That's so he's true. like like because his shot was broken yes. and now he's doing absolutely anything, so he better be Player of the Week, right? <laughs> yeah but but it's not a narrative award objectively it's just who's putting up the best statistical numbers over the course of a week and so with with like that general trend it's very strange to put Melo as a player of the week instead of james harden not putting james harden who's averaging 47 points per game he for tried. a week it's so bad. He he dropped like sixty, and then he ah. dropped like like thirty two, and like, like Melo didn't have a good game, a better game than either of those games in his three games. Yep. And so, what you said about the pity award, I think actually makes sense. Um, it shouldn't be it, because there has never really been a case where the NBA Player of the Week is like a pity award. It's just who is having the best week, and so to introduce that. It is really weird. I don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't like it. 
but and you you could say you, you would say ah, the war doesn't matter why not give it to him but like that just undermines it and it undermines the dignity of carmelo anthony because mm. you think Melo is sitting at home like yeah man i deserve this award <laughs> i'm back man it's like it's like it's like giving like a, a treat to like a sick child or like it's it's like a reward because you like feel bad for them like yeah like it, it just it it doesn't sit well with me as a carmelo anthony supporter as an nba supporter just because when you degrade the dignity of something it never is good so th- that's why and also just because like that just is stupid i think also I, i'm not sure that it's like the NBA was really looking into it as much as we are as like degrading the dignity of Carmelo Anthony, it, it which by the way it is a little bit. Um, that was not our intention, but it's kind of what yeah. they did a little bit. I think it was more so just like, you know what will get us clicks? <laughs> Facts. But yeah, <laughs> whatever. But d- you do you, d- NBA. The NBA, if it makes does you, not if, make money off of the NBA Player of the Week but, award. But how many people started tweeting about Carmelo Anthony got Player of the Week? So Nobody would have said ra- anything. Does that just raise interest? Nobody would have said anything about the Player of the Week award this week if James Harden had won it, right? It would have just it would have, nobody would even know. But does the NBA really benefit? They benefit in that if every Instagram page, if every Twitter page, if every podcast is talking about the fact that Carmelo Anthony won Player of the Week. But they're going to be talking got people about the from, NBA anyways. Well, but not necessarily. Like people who don't even follow the NBA are going to start seeing those tweets or like. It makes just when you get more people talking about the NBA, you generally get more viewership. You just want you want the social media presence of the NBA to grow so that the viewership and the attention and the following of the NBA will grow. So is it morally right to just undermine awards no. for profit? No, it is not. But the NBA is an entertainment business. And so they're going to do what they're going to do to make money. And if they have to compromise that a little bit, if they like fudge it a little bit, they might. And can we really hate on that that much? I guess not, because at the end of the day, like we still love the NBA, and it's a business. But I also want to point out really quickly, Carmelo Anthony, his defensive rating so far is tied for his career high. Really? Yeah, hundred thirteen. <laughs> um, offensive rating. How, we well, don't talk about that. Really? No, I mean it's. I think it's his a career low. Yeah, it's his career well, low. Okay, but like by by like one point, and it, he had a one hundred and seventeen like, career rating. No, hundred, hundred and fourteen. That doesn't okay. One, I would say on both sides, it's a small sample size. But two, like yeah, for one of like the best offensive players in the last like fifteen years, like to have a low offensive rating compared to the rest of his career, that's not bad. Like yeah, like like I don't think that's even. I just I just mostly mean that as like. He's looked good on offense. His offensive rating is a 101. His defensive rating is 113. That would imply that his defense has actually been better than his offense so far. Like, just based on advanced, like, league metrics, league average metrics. Is that how defensive rating works? I'm actually really sure. I'm pretty sure. But isn't, isn't a lower defensive rating better? Is it? I'll look it up. But anyways, continue. Mm. Continue. That would be... If that is the case... They come out that he's playing the worst team in his career, which would make a lot more sense. That would make a lot more <laughs> sense. Um, but yeah, okay, so that's all I had to say about defensive rating. Um, Anything else about Carmelo Anthony in terms of play style? I, like, his, he hasn't been doing that many post-ups, which I think has been which, good. Yeah. And also... He's stuck with his, like, 
like mid-range game that like six jab step let me like hit you with a little hesitation in your face like pull up and i mean it's been okay um it's not like by if you look at the metrics like the worst shot in basketball but he doesn't make it look like the worst shot in basketball. yeah a, a lower a lower defensive rating is better Okay. It's how many points a player allows per 100 possessions. So, Carmelo Anthony is playing the worst defense in his career. That makes sense. Yeah. So, so, actually, but you want a high offensive rating. Yes. Low. Okay. So, his offense and defense are the two worst of his career. But, that's but I understandable guess that's because it's Carmelo Anthony. There's like, a reason he, had a he hasn't career. had a job for a year. Like, yeah. Like, he's not right. what he used to. So, so, yeah. So, that doesn't matter. But, I guess... I think that his game style is much improved versus what we saw on the Thunder and the Rockets and that it's more of like we're seeing like kind of like some hustle plays from him which Yeah, I was I, I was about to bring that up. Um yeah. I I don't know, there's something on the like boards, House of Highlights the where it was like, like he got like, he got like four rebounds and like, row, and then like yeah. and then like made the layup and I was a little bit like Bruh, Yogi Ferrell is guarding you. It's not like that. Really? <laughs> yeah. It was like the first two rebounds were for Yogi Ferrell. I was like okay. <laughs> So he, like really? the one, the guy he like impressed. knocked out of bounds was Yogi Ferrell. Really, he was like five <laughs> ten. Like I don't know. So, like I'm not sure it's really that much of a hustle play, but <laughs> I mean, like you do you. Uh, I and also if you look at like the bench, anytime he does anything, oh, and so I think that like <laughs> I think that like Carmelo Anthony has kind of like turned the whole vibe in the like portland trailblazers locker room around in a way that like they're very much having fun and i think that before he got there there was a little bit of sense of like "Uh oh what is happening right and and i think that they're still not in the playoffs right now i don't think but at least they're like trending in the right direction and they have something to be excited about whereas like the whole nba is buzzing about carmelo anthony and the trailblazers and I think that that has the team in a better mood, and and they're they're playing better and having more fun together, and it's made them a more cohesive unit. Um, so very much a net positive, Carmelo Anthony on the uh, on the Trailblazers so far. Hope he keeps it up, and because they just extend his contract to be guaranteed through the end of the year, we might be seeing Melo in the playoffs. We're going to be seeing Melo for I think we might see Melo sixty in the plus games. We, that's no, a, that's like the, it, one of the last that, games yeah, of the season, right? It's, it's one of the last games of the year. Like, not us, although that would be awesome. The tickets are going to be so expensive. Yeah. Honestly, what I would do is, like, before the news came out, you buy the tickets. Once the news came out, I bet you your ticket increased by, like, $50. Yeah. Like, at least, and you can just sell it. Investment. Investment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Space for NBA Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you're listening on iTunes, uh, leave a review and subscribe to listen to future episodes. If you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Space the Floor Podcast and on Twitter at Space the Floor. And thank you for watching. My name is Connor Gielen. And I'm Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace. Shout out New York Knicks ticket prices. Shout out rigged envelopes.